As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. On today's Fantasy Baseball in 15, we discuss an early season trade and an intriguing prospect in Houston. Like death and taxes, Dodgers get a Dodger. I have That's not had uh, three co-brews uh, yet. It works great in a fantasy league. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15 on The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Wednesday, April 28th. Derek Van Riper here with Nando DeFino. Mike Talkman is on the move. He was traded to the Giants on Tuesday. Nando, just want to ask you straight up, how do you see Talkman fitting in with his new club? Uh, no idea. I'm, I'm a Darren Ruff guy. Um, I don't know who he's going to break out of the outfield rotation. So, I mean, they have Yastrzemski. They have Alex Dickerson, who they seem to like. Um, and I guess Austin Slater, who, you know, maybe that's the answer. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if Talkman's the kind of guy who like finds a way into playing time. I think it was just kind of like Yankees need to get rid of him. Giants were like, yeah, we'll take him. Sure, we like him. I think it's a big side platoon situation for him in center field. He's a decent enough center fielder where they can justify putting him out there, at least against righties. So it's probably Dickerson, Talkman, and Yastrzemski against right-handed pitchers. And then guys like Ruff and Austin Slater are mixed in against lefties, probably at the expense of Dickerson and Talkman most often. So big side platoon guy crossing over leagues. Most of the appeal for me is probably NL only leagues because as a left-handed hitter, having to hit in San Francisco really saps the power potential that Talkman has. You know what else? Maybe something weird is going on there because they called up Sky Bolt today too. Maybe so. I mean, there's no indication that someone is hurt, but uh, why do you just add two outfielders onto your roster very quickly and suddenly? Yastrzemski's day-to-day right now with an oblique injury, so maybe an IL move's coming there. And then once Talkman reports, I would guess Bolt probably goes back to the alternate site. But for now, Yaz is considered day-to-day. Uh, for NL-only leagues, again, we're looking at a guy that's going to play three-quarters of the time, probably. I think you're looking at a 15% bid, if not a little more, to get Mike Talkman on your roster if you need a semi-regular to uh, round out your lineup. So it's fun to get trades this early. I hope we see a lot of trades throughout the next few weeks. Some injury news to pass along. Jazz Chisholm left Tuesday's game against the Brewers with a hamstring strain. Day-to-day for now, he stole to their base before leaving early. He has been on 
fire through the first month of the season. Oh, he wasn't bolded, so I didn't know if you wanted me to comment on him. But yeah, he's been amazing. He, but you know, he's fulfilled his potential. This is, I mean, this is what was supposed to happen with Jed. I, I think just because he's a Marlin, and it was the Marlins fire sale where everyone was so angry at them for cleaning house and getting rid of all the good players, and they just kind of, you know, inadvertently hated on these guys who came back in these deals. And even the Zach Gallon deal wasn't even like one of those clear all the you know John Carlos Stanton's out of here. But I think people just were so mad at the Marlins for you know the last three years or whatever that. They just you overlook a guy like this if you're just a general baseball fan, and I mean this is what he was supposed to be doing, so it's exciting. Absolutely, that trade looks better and better every day from the Marlins' perspective because it looked like they really just gave Zach Gallon away initially. It looks like they have an impact guy though in Jazz Chisholm now. A few injury items to pass along that are just quick updates. Austin Nola could be back for the Padres' weekend series against the Giants. He's been out all season with a finger injury. Juan Soto, working his way back from a shoulder injury, still hasn't resumed throwing yet, so there's still no timetable for his return, probably a matter of weeks as opposed to days based on what we know right now. Uh, Steven Strasburg has stepped back to 150 feet. He has not thrown from a mound yet, but he keeps increasing the distance for his catch sessions, so making slow progress there. And then Chris Bryant did not start Tuesday's game against the Braves. He's been dealing with this injury for about a week, though, and was available off the bench against Atlanta, so he is considered day-to-day, as is Luis Robert, who he was placed on the IL as a precaution with flu-like symptoms, but I believe that works just like the COVID IL, where if he's cleared in the next couple of days, he can return. It's not a 10-day situation for Robert. Uh, Yadier Molina ended up on the IL on Tuesday after returning to the lineup on Monday. The foot injury that they thought he had gotten over actually was enough to put him on the IL. Tough break if you use them in a weekly league. Andrew Kisner is going to pick up the bulk of the playing time in Molina's absence. Let's talk about Framber Valdez, though, for a moment. Nando, he's way ahead of schedule, even though we don't have a timetable for his return. There are some leagues where he's available because there are some late draft season leagues where he was undrafted because it looked like he might miss the entire season at one point. So, even without a timetable, just based on these encouraging, vague updates, is it time to go ahead and pick him up and stash him away since we may only be talking about a couple of weeks before he's possibly back in this rotation? Yeah, you might as well use this information, uh, you know, to your advantage. But again, like, I, you know, at what cost? Um, I was never really a Framber Valdez kind of guy. Uh, you know, he's like, he's good. He's more like, you know, like a you and Eno kind of guy. He didn't, I, I, I hope I'm thinking of this right, but I, I feel like Framber did not strike out a lot of people, you know, through the minor leagues historically. His ERA and whip were okay. Like, he's not like Christian Javier. You know what I mean? He's He was good, and I'm sure, like, there's, like, plenty of stat-casty stuff that people could bring up that, you know, could show some kind of Ryan Presley crazy improvement. But uh, I was never a Framber Valdez guy. That being said, he's going to start, and he'll be good. So, you know, I don't know. How, can you stash him? I think if people had him, they just put him on their ILs and they're fine with him, you know? Yeah, I think in non-IL situations, though, he may have been a roster casualty with other injuries piling up early in the season. I didn't think he was ever going to strike this many guys out, 26.4% in the shortened season, probably even more of an Eno guy than a DVR guy. I thought he was more of like a ground ball guy that had a walk issue. You know, you look at his walk rates in 18 and 19, his walk rates were over 13%, over 5 per 9 that to me is just sort of non-negotiable for a starter. Yeah, and uh, I'm you, you know you bring up walk rates a lot when you hate on pitchers um, and don't believe in them being able to bring those down. So yeah, walk rates never get better. <laughs> yeah, I'm starting I'm starting <laughs> to learn that. Like having worked with you now for what a year and a half, two years now um, on podcasts, 
Yeah. Yeah. Walk rate's a big thing with you. I'm not saying it's a fault. Not saying it's a fault. I think the reason Valdez can make it work, even if the walks start to creep back in that direction, it gets back up to five per nine. That's a lot. That's a high walk rate for any starter. That's above Robbie Ray territory, I think, most years. But if you own the skill of suppressing home runs, which I think Framber Valdez does, you can get away with an elevated walk rate. So that gives me a little bit of confidence that he can get by if he ticks up into the three and a half or even four walks per nine range. But it did look like a lot of the adjustments he made in the shortened season were going to stick. He was pitching really well in the postseason last year, too. So that injury has been a, a disappointing one, to say the least. I just typed very quietly his name up so I could, you know, wouldn't look like I was cheating. But yeah, I was right. His, his K rate was okay, but uh, his ERA was pretty high throughout the minors. So I was thinking to the right guy, DVR. There we go. <laughs> Not a lot of prospect pedigree on Valdez coming through the system. Uh, Alex Colomay moving to a low leverage role for the Twins. He's now given up six earned runs on 10 hits in his last four innings. So is it Taylor Rogers taking over saves in Minnesota? Is it Hansel Robles? Or is there someone else that you're chasing? Uh, actually, so I'm just going on. Greg Jewett is my brain basically for closers. I just I allow whatever he writes to become my answers for things. Uh, and he wrote about in the column that was up on the site yesterday when you're listening to this um and uh it was, it's just fluidity is the key word there so you know i'd like to go for rogers i'm not going to spend a ton of money on him because like you said robles is there um he brought up uh tyler duffy uh jorge alcala and even caleb Thielbar. he basically named the entire bullpen and they all have like kind of equal shots of doing something here so um i don't know man i, I think column eventually comes back around and grabs it but it's going to take a while He's the, the move there. I think is if someone drops him, scoop him up for like you know zero or a buck, and just keep him on the bench until he either writes it or he gets waived. Uh, I actually think it's Rogers by a decent margin over the field, but I could see it being a timeshare. Even if Rogers gets half or two thirds of the opportunities, those other relievers are good relievers. So the Twins could mix and match, and with Rocco Baldelli being uh, from the Rays managerial tree, especially, I, I could see them being a, a bit of a headache for us going forward. Let's get to some Tuesday standouts, which includes Colomay's teammate, Byron Buxton. He was back in the lineup, of course, after dealing with that knee injury and missing Monday's game. He went two for four, and he homered. Seven homers now on the season for Byron Buxton. But how about this one? Vlad Jr., three homers on Tuesday night, Nando. I was really surprised to see this flying around on Twitter. His dad never did that in a game. Like I would assume that Vlad Sr. had a few three home run games over the course of his career. Yeah, he seems like the guy who has that, you know, Roy Hobbs type of mystique about him. I, I would I would think he would have some four homer games, actually. At least two. That's crazy. Those are so rare. Yeah, I know, but you know what I mean. I don't really Mark believe Whitten he had has four one. homer games, but that's like the legend of Vlad Guerrero Sr. Yeah, I saw him hit a pitch that bounced to break up a Ben Sheets no-hitter once. That was pretty crushing for me as a teenager to, to witness that. Uh, Yadiel Hernandez homered. That's why we're here. Oh, thanks for putting him in there. That's Thank you, DVR. Yeah, he's in there just for you. Trey Turner homered twice in that game. Ball was flying in Dunedin on Tuesday night. Oh, all right, so insult him then. Okay. Backhanded compliment for Yadiel Hernandez then. That's what I thrive at doing is giving backhanded <laughs> compliments. <laughs> Uh, Aaron Judge also homered on Tuesday. This one comes with some news from the Athletics' Lindsey Adler. He's dealing with some lower body soreness, so a day off is coming either Wednesday or Thursday for Aaron Judge. So if you're in a league with daily changes, just keep an eye out for an absence there and be sure to get a replacement in as they try to manage that soreness. 
Uh, speaking of bullpens, James Karinchak, a four-out save against the Twins, his second of the season. Emmanuel Classe had pitched on three of the previous four days, and they're just both really good. So I don't think this is time to panic. I think this is a situation where even if Class A is getting the larger share of the opportunities, Karinchak's skills and the results so far have been good enough where he's absolutely rosterable even as a part-time closer as part of the bridge to Class A. I agree. Sorry, I, if you don't bold him, DVR, I'm not going to say something. I feel like I interrupt you too much on the show. <laughs> I'm amazed that you follow the bolding rules. <laughs> I, I appreciate your courtesy. Uh, Two-homer game for Fran Mil Reyes in that game as well. And Kenta Maeda continues to struggle, which has just been perplexing. We talked about him a bit on rates and barrels earlier this week. Nothing seems to be wrong in the underlying numbers, so not much to dig into there just yet. And I have to say, Jake Junis, if you streamed him on Tuesday, it actually went well. Nine Ks. You didn't get a win, but you got six and a third innings of two-run ball, so not a bad outing for Junis. Take your victory lap on Jake Junis. Nah, I don't, I don't want it. Garrett Richards had 10 Ks. I didn't see that coming either. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's get to some Wednesday streamers. Look forward. Waskari Noah has the Cubs. He's been mostly good this season. Only one bad outing. and I think it was against the Cubs a couple weekends ago. How do you look at Enoa versus Taylor Widener versus Alex Cobb. Who do you like among Wednesday streamers? Well, look, Alex Cobb came back to bite me uh, last week when we did this, right? It was last week, right? It was a show? Yep. Yeah, it was just, a, just a week ago. Confusing them all. I'm sticking with him. I, I, just, I think that was a hiccup, and I think that was going to be the exception to the rule. I think Alex Cobb's very good. He's not going to have a lot of strikeouts, but I think he's, he's a low-ratio guy who you're going to eventually be able to trust. Get that 70% roster ship. Um, you know, I'm not, I just, I don't know, man. Like I know he, people are on him a little bit right now, but he had some ugly numbers in the minor leagues. It's not even like they were just blah. It was like they were ugly. Um, so yeah, I would put, I would put him pretty low on that list of streamers. Uh, Taylor Widener. I like, I mean, he was supposed to be pretty good coming up. He had some kind of prospect pedigree. It wasn't the greatest, but I mean, you know, he might've, did he brush the top 100 at some point? Maybe got in there slightly. Um, Cole Irvin's just whatever. And Mitch Keller, fine. You know, I like the big upside with this. Mitch Keller's got some big upside. So I put him Cobb, Widener, Keller, Irvin, Yanoa. Mm. I think I'm also Cobb first, so we agree there. I'd probably go Keller because of the matchup. Widener's got the Padres. Otherwise, he'd probably be second on my list. I think he's probably just behind Irvin and ahead of Yanoa. But not a great day for streamers. Not a lot of options once you get past Cobb up at the top of that list. Our prospect spotlight today is on Pedro Leon. We're finally getting some assignments for prospects. The season begins May 4th, so more news coming, of course. But Pedro Leon is going to start the year at AA. And according to Jim Callis from MLB Pipeline, he's going to play mostly at shortstop. About 80% of his playing time is going to come at short. The other 20% is going to come in center field. I think that's fascinating because I thought Leon was actually going to help the Astros this season. And if most of his time's coming at shortstop, it almost seems that they're grooming him to replace Carlos Correa. Oh, that'd be interesting. Yeah, I never thought about that. Maybe they're just looking at him at shortstop, though, you know? 
Yeah, if they know he can play center field, they just want to see how he hits, test out the other position. You know, it's a smart way to get a look at the future, but I don't know. I, I think Leon could actually finish this season in Houston. Hard to stash him outside of AL only leagues, but he's on the short list of players. I just want to see what the first few weeks of production look like once the minor league games start. Yeah, he's going to be interesting. I mean, again, like you don't have a lot to go on, and those are Cuban stats that you're going on, but um, he's, he's, I mean, He's got some time. He's not like one of those 25, 26, 27-year-old Cubans who, you know, came over a little later in their career. He's, what, 20, 21? Um, It's going to be interesting. Very interesting, I think. And very tooled up. So, again, on the watch list as the minor league season begins on May 4th. That is going to do it for this episode of Fantasy Baseball on 15. Nando, thanks for stepping in while Al and Beller have been out. I'm done. You're tiring? I'm retired, being retired. I'm a beanie baby. (laughs) Put out a production. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, well, let us know on Twitter which beanie baby you think uh, Nando is. And uh, if (laughs) if you answer correctly, maybe we'll come up with some kind of prize for you. If you're enjoying this show, please take a moment to leave us a nice rating and review. We'd greatly appreciate that. Fantasy Baseball in 15 returns on Thursday. 